welcome to Designer's Voice, audio conversations on design which inform, challenge and inspire. I'm Alice Bryan, a furniture designer and editor with over 20 years experience in design. And the one thing that I know for certain is that to have the opportunity to learn from those around us is a joy and a privilege. So today, my role will be to guide and nudge along the conversation so that we can eavesdrop together. And I am delighted that my guests today are Paula Day, founder of the Robin and Lucian Day Foundation, and Corinne Meller, creative director at David Meller, who will be discussing their roles as custodians of their parents' iconic designs. But before I hand over to Paula and Corinne, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about my guests. Paula Day is the only child of furniture designer Robin Day and textiles designer Lucian Day, both pioneers of modern design for over seven decades and two of my personal design heroes. Each deserve design hero status predominantly because they designed with a core aim to improve people's lives through the designs they buy for their homes, but also because they are each independently fearless in their approach to new materials, forms and techniques. Paula is a writer, poet and garden designer with a Cambridge degree and a doctorate in English literature. I've had the pleasure to hear Paula speak many times about her parents' work, which is part of her role as founder of the Robin and Lucian Day Foundation, a design education charity launched in 2012. Public speaking is something Paula does regularly alongside events and exhibitions. And here I have to note two events. Robin Day Works in Wood, an exhibition in 2015 at the V&A Museum, which celebrated the centenary of Robin's birth. And just two years later, to celebrate the centenary of Lucian's birth, the Arts University Bournemouth exhibition, Lucian Day, Living Design. Paula lives in Cumbria, where for many years she ran her own business, pioneering mountain walking holidays for women, a passion which I suspect is in her genes. Corin Meller is the son of David Meller, one of Britain's best-known cutlery designers with an expertise in good design which will endure, including his iconic traffic light and bus shelter designs. Corinne's mother, Fiona McCarthy, was an extremely well-regarded biographer and cultural historian whose own interest in design permeated her work with publications including Walter Gropius, visionary founder of the Bauhaus, William Morris, A Life for Our Time, and all things bright and beautiful, British design, 1830 to today. Now here, I must share that I was born in Sheffield, the steel city, and grew up learning about my city's heritage in steel and cutlery. It's perhaps not surprising that I have always felt drawn to David's good, everyday design, and that he was the person I chose to interview back in 2001 for my BA. It was an honour to meet him and to tour his Hathersage factory together, which is just a stone's throw from where we're sat here today recording. Corin studied product design at Kingston University before working for London-based architects York, Rosenberg and Mardell. He joined his father in the family business and took the lead in 2002 when his father retired. Corin's passion for design is, is evident in every detail of his home, possessions and attire, He's followed his father's design ethos, 
which was perhaps inevitable as he says work and life have always happened in the same space. Perhaps, Corinne and Paula, your conversation could begin by telling me a little bit about the relationship that your parents had within the design community. <laughs> Shall I start? Um, uh, I mean, they were good friends. My father, particularly perhaps um, through Royal Designers for Industry, or both my parents through Royal Designers for Industry. Yeah. Um, and... Also, of course, being interviewed by your mother, um, they enormously rated and valued her design journalism. Um, and in fact, they asked her to write, uh, I think perhaps many, many years in advance, their obituaries for The Guardian. So, so when they died, actually, it was your mother's words. I that, always find this um, the sort of pre-writing obituaries rather... Um rather unusual as a um uh, uh, my mother often used to um be up in the the log cabin which is about 100 yards in that direction writing someone's obituary and and um i know she felt quite uneasy about actually writing about someone who was very much alive yeah and um yeah but i think it was reassuring for them um you know because they knew that um um, you know, she knew and she perhaps that's it. Them through yeah, it, perhaps that's it. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I suppose it's probably it seems more fitting to write about someone you actually uh, are still friends with. Absolutely. And then um Fiona, your mother, um very kindly agreed to become the patron of the Robin and Lucien Day Foundation, one of the patrons when we set up, um, and was enormously kind and supportive to me. Um, you know, uh, so I was very, very sad to hear of her death in 2020. So what date was that? Um, I set up, uh, my parents died in 2010. Yeah. They both died in the same year. Um, and I set up the foundation in 2012. Gosh, so quite soon after. And was that a sort of mission for you? Did you it feel it's was. something you should do? It was, but very unexpected. I mean, mm. I didn't expect to have any, strangely enough, engagement or responsibility for their work. And they certainly didn't expect that of me. Um, but what happened was, um, I mean, it, it had been happening in their last years, but even more so when they died, I became aware that um, there were there was copies of their work, their names were being used to sell really travesties of their designs. And very rapidly, really, I, I, I registered that this was just something that, um, I couldn't accept. You know, it was really parasiting, being parasitic on their, on their life work, on, on, on both my parents' life work. Um, and I had to, I mean, in retrospect, it's very rapidly, um, um, you know, begin to take action with very little knowledge of how to do that. Um, and realize that, uh, what I, what I really cared about was that people would know what they'd done in their lives. Mm. So actually it was an educational, um, mission really. And, uh, on that basis, I set up a charity, the Robin and Lucien Day Foundation. Um, and our core objective is to educate about Robin and Lucien Day's design legacies. So that's really the heart of our work as a charity. And what do you think might have happened if you hadn't stepped in? I think there would have been more and more <clears throat> misrepresentations of, yeah. their, of their work. Um, and l- 
I mean, the other side of that, the other part of the mission, um, which is happily really the priority now, is is licensing their their designs for authentic production mm. um, to suitable licensees. Um, so for you, that's been a quite a sort of whole change in your life, hasn't huge. it? Yeah. Absolutely huge. Yeah. yeah. How in your journey to being the custodian of your father's work was, was much smoother than that, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I suppose um, I've never had the sort of, um, I mean, I, the thought of sort of seeing my father's designs all sort of um, streaming out uh, all over the world in, in, in sort of bastardized form has, ne- has never really happened. Um, so I haven't really had to sort of step in in that way. Uh, I've very much been sort of involved, um, I suppose, in, in the whole David Mallet organization since I was sort of two. And, and I used to, as a, as a boy, um, go down to the other end of the house where the the sort of prototyping workshop was and play on the lathe. Well, perhaps not at two, but um, so I, I've sort of always just been immersed in in this whole sort of um, designing, making um, sort of area. So for me, it was sort of just it's what I just like to do. I, I I used to like to create things and make things and. I, I sort of did that alongside my father. Uh, and then um, when he was not able to continue, I just carried on doing the same thing. Keep that, on that's, that's a wonderful continuity. It's a wonderful family continuity um, for you. And, and I mean, that goes along with, I, as I see it, the fact that your father not only designed products but he actually you know ran the company that made them yeah um, yeah, and then that retailed them and that is entirely different yeah Mm. i mean it's interesting i mean i it it, it is quite what we do is 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 i think quite special in that we sort of we design things we make things and then we we retail things but there's a reason for that, and it's so that you've got absolute control on the design and yes. the quality. Yes. Uh, and and if anything's not right in any of those stages, you've only got yourself to blame. Yes. Um, having said that, it is quite hard work because you've got so many different hats um, to to wear to actually sort of achieve that. But I I, I still love the concept of of sort of coming up with. Um, an idea and then I love the idea of actually someone being um given it in the David Mallor bag at the other end I mean yes. it's the, to me it's the whole process apart from um and, and and I suppose it's the the ownership of that design and and looking after it all the way through and yes. then finally actually giving it to to someone to hopefully last a long time and that's the way your father worked yes mm. yes absolutely whereas yeah. My parents, not at all. I mean, they designed for clients, uh, client companies. And I mean, they were both extremely fortunate um, in having their major long-term clients being excellent clients. But of course, um, companies change. And um, in the case of both my parents' most important clients, um, the companies changed hands and the whole identity and the whole culture of those companies changed. Um, so what uh, happened to the actual products that were being manufactured at the, at the time of change? 
Well, um, I mean, in the case of textiles, um, those tend to be, you know, only produced for a short time anyway. But in terms of furniture, I mean, there was this, you know, extremely sad, my father's close relationship with the Hilly family firm, which was absolutely um, key to 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 both to Hilly and to and to Robin Day, Uh, very very fruitful collaboration. That then the Hilly family um, sold the company in 1983, and really then um, fashions changed, and my father's work mostly went out of production. I mean, he continued to do some important public seating. Um, but, you know... So it, then, it was more that it went out of production rather than the production actually going wrong? Um, both. I mean, or? both. Um, but most, uh, I mean, most designs went out of production um, um, well, altogether. Mm. I think um, many of Lucian's uh, surface pattern designs are some of the work that she's the most well known for but with her mosaic designs did she design and manage the manufacture and the sales of those you mean the silk mosaics yeah the silk mosaics so i mean that was entirely different um in the late 1970s i mean she'd been designing for industry for uh what 30 years by then, and um, she decided to change direction completely and started, in a sense, a second career um, in craft, in in handmade um, craft works, one-off wall hangings, which she called silk mosaics. Um, which, yes, she her her assistants produced in her workshop. But I mean, that's very different um, because they were one-off pieces. That's very yeah. different from your yeah. family's. You know, there's similarities, factory. aren't there? There's, I mean, similarities to some extent. Yeah, mm. but but volume-wise, I suppose it's quite different. They were but, one-off pieces. Yeah. I mean, it was really a craft career, mm. a craft um, production method, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm imagining that, um, as you say, to have complete control of the whole process from design through to um, manufacture through to retail um, uh, is is enviable and wonderful. I can also imagine that it has its own challenges. Fraught, fraught with <laughs> problems. It, yes. sure well, I suppose, it's, it, I suppose it's that juggling all the different roles. Yeah. You, you, you know, it's sort of um, constantly, right, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of the, 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 the shop side and how nice they are to customers. And, and then on the other hand, you're worrying about the quality of the steel coming into the factory. Uh, and the the press is needing um, some major work doing. So you, you, you're sort of, but I quite like that in a yes, way. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, no day is no day is the same. You know, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, and I find that quite a challenge. Yes, but yeah. I enjoy the challenge yes, of it. Yeah. Um, I suppose the other um, in the last of perhaps fifteen years, what I have done, which is slightly outside the remit that my father had. Um, I would say was I've started designing things that we don't make because we mm. we're not blast glass blowers or we're not ceramics people, um, and I found that incredibly interesting. Um, so, but then there's another problem, which is actually it's not your own factory; it's someone else's yes. factory mm-hmm. or workshop, and trying to actually get um, the product you've designed out where you haven't actually got quite as much control. Yes. Um, and um, I found that quite enjoyable, but also it's constantly challenging. 
Have you have you moved in that direction because that's something that you have felt passionate about as a designer, or is it something that you mm. felt was right for the for the brand and the business? Both, I think. Um, I, I I always um, I don't know if it was. I think it was my father's philosophy as well. Is that really? Um, a good design of, of of cutlery, well, a good design full stop should be able to stand the test of time. Yeah. Um, so therefore, you you sort of slightly dug yourself a bit of a hole because you can't actually do new designs of cutlery every year, yeah. uh, nor would you want to. Mm. Um, so uh, I don't really like the idea of discontinuing anything. So mm. everything mm. stays, everything that is designed carries on. Um, so therefore... Um, there's only there's a limit to how much cutlery design I I can sort of I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, I've sort of thought of um, well, what else can I what else can I design? Um, so that has sort of been really exciting because I've been able mm. to sort of in mm-hmm. effect I look around the shop and I think well yeah let's um, let's design glassware mm. um, let's design woodware mm. uh, and um, I've I've really enjoyed that and I've really enjoyed sort of really going all around the world trying to find the best makers I can find. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two reasons. Yeah, yeah. When was the last new cutlery collection launched and when will the next one um, be? I, I launched uh, Chelsea, uh, which was it's really the only design. There were quite a few designs I've sort of worked on with my father. So the, the pair of us, I suppose, really designed it. Or perhaps I was actually just working as the prototyper, filing away to my dad's instructions. Can't quite remember. Um, <laughs> but Chelsea was one that, that I actually did totally, um, and that's perhaps about six years old. And then we've got a new design uh, which is coming out this year as well um so yeah i i uh, you know so it's not not often i've got quite involved with knives i love designing knives um that's been a nice little sidetrack um so i just love creating things and and doing new things do you feel a lot of responsibility for the legacy of your dad's work yeah i i mean uh I suppose that's why I'm sort of bothered about all the details and what polish we use and um, exactly the positioning of the branding. Um, and um, so, yes, I do. I, I sort of think that the designs need to be um, well represented um, in terms of quality and manufacture. And I'm sure that's exactly the same as the, the, I mean, almost the horror of, of actually seeing something that is sort of in production, but bastardized is, 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 is awful that would, would, would haunt me. And I'm sure that was the same with you. Hence you setting up the foundation. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, it's, it's fascinating to hear you talk. I mean, earlier you were saying that, nearly all your father's cutlery designs were still in production. Yeah, yeah. Which I find, you know, sort of a mind-blowing possibility because <laughs> I reckon um, that perhaps I, I probably not 10% of my father's furniture or my mother's textiles are in production. Um, and, you know, one of my dreams really is to see uh, more and more of everything, it. We, everything, <laughs> everything. Everything produced. would practically fill, you know, I, I reckon, I mean, my father designed, you know, perhaps 150 pieces of furniture. My mother, similar uh, textiles, but she also designed wallpapers, carpets, ceramics. Um, 
and but I mean more, more in production, and and I mean that's the really exciting thing um, with the foundation is yeah. Is I mean, you've got a huge scope as well, huge scope, huge scope, and it, yeah. but it means finding yeah. the right licensees, the right companies, and that is the process which um, we've been very busy with behind the scenes, really, right from the beginning. Um, we we inherited some good, mostly smaller. Um, collaborations from my parents, um, some good ones. Um, uh, But we've been um, uh, talking to and developing relationships with some new licensees, and we've got some very exciting new collaborations, um, which will be announced in the next couple of years, um, uh, with both my parents' work, perhaps particularly my father's. But finding the right companies. Well, I think that's very parallel to me, trying to actually find um, a manufacturer to actually make something that I've designed. Yes. Um, mm. and, and that relationship that you, you touched Absolutely. on is so, so important. It is. I mean, I think mm. in the world there's so much of just send a CAD model off and then, um, you know, 10,000 have arrived in a container um, three months later. There's so much of that with no... Um, understanding of how things are actually Absolutely. properly made and, and no proper liaison with people. Yeah. Uh, and for us, I mean, a key thing um, that I realised right from the beginning is we needed to define what we mean by authenticity. Mm. Um, mm. And that, I mean, we developed policies very early on in discussions with both academics and people in the industry, which which provide guidelines for ourselves and our licenses, um, and they're continually being refined. And it's a continual learning process. Um, there's sort of philosophical issues behind it, but also very practical ones. Um, and, um, you know, working, working with licenses to um, produce something which is aesthetically um, and in, ter- in relation to my father's work, structurally, true to the original design, but which inevitably involves using different materials and different machines and different techniques, exactly, um, is a constant Mm. fascinating challenge. And I mean, I'm very lucky we have a, we have a, uh, technician um, Amos Marchant, who's you know uh, a, a, a really important consultant, who I need to butt in and say you I went did. to college with him. <laughs> yes, and he remembers <laughs> you well. Yeah, um, and that's a sort of key key um, person that we work with outside of the foundation, um, and with textiles. Actually, somebody within the foundation has a textile background. Um, I'm I've learned a huge amount, and I've the more I've worked with my parents' work, um, the more I've appreciated it. Mm, you know, something mm. that. I'm afraid I didn't really think about well they were alive. I don't think you do though, do you? I mean you, you take don't. you take it for granted. I mean Absolutely. you know, it's all around the house, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and and it's just there and um uh why why would you? Why would you when take did it you so begin, seriously? I mean, was it when you started to study design, to work as a designer yourself, that you began to appreciate your father's work? That's a very, very good question. I think I used to sort of challenge his design actually in my <laughs> early days. Um, and, um, I suppose, you know, when you're, when you're young and you're at college, you're sort of experimenting with sort of, um, you're trying to push the boundaries, aren't you? Whereas my father, I think I always thought was, it was all a bit understated and perhaps a bit boring. 
<laughs> but um you know um you 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 sort of have lived with these designs haven't you so they sort of to me they like they get inside you um and and i suppose for me as a designer perhaps i don't think i don't think i'm trying to design like my father would i'm i'm just i just design things and i think well that's right and yes. it's that rightness which has yes. been sort of yeah. instilled in me. I yeah. Think. I mean, I would have said when I started the foundation that I didn't really know about venture design or textile design. No, I hadn't no. studied them. I mean, that must have Why been. Why would I? Yeah. But what I realised um, is that actually I did in a sense. I mean, I, I, I completely understood when I saw, um, you know, a chair of my father's which had been, you know, either copied or else produced in a in a in a production which actually wasn't authentic because the company hadn't really worked on authenticity. And then I saw the original piece yeah, from 1952. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought, ah! Oh. <laughs> and there was this sense of recognition, uh, actually, of my father, yeah. of his personality. Yeah. You know, this, this quality of um, energy and poise and severe economy, but tremendous energy. Um, which was just completely recognizable. Mm. And, and then I began to see, you know, why it was right. It was because it was using materials in a way that was thoroughly efficient and economical, um, creating something that was really comfortable to sit in, um, combining all those different, the different requirements. So that- how do you, how do you square up, um, if a manufacturer says, look, this is a better way of doing this now? Well, Amos and I have intense discussions, um, <laughs> uh, and which are, are, are very, very um, productive because he obviously has the technical knowledge and the design experience, and I have the understanding of the history and the sort of philosophical thinking to produce the guidance. But where do you, where do you sort of draw the line? I mean, um, if a way of doing it is um, in effect, obsolete. Do you carry on with that way of doing it, or do you do it in the way that is um, now current? Well, I, we have a, a key phrase that recurs throughout our Robin Day endorsement policy: uh, uh, that, that amendments or changes may be considered if they improve function without compromising the aesthetic. Ah, so you're so the aesthetic is absolutely rigid. Um. I don't think I'd call it rigid, but I'd call it vital. Yeah, yeah. Corinne, Corinne how would you answer that question oh. about obsolete um, manufacturing and how you perhaps have developed the production, your production? Um, our production has hardly changed. Cutlery is very odd, actually. It, it, it sort of it, it sort of produced in, in effect like it was done at the turn of the century, quite frankly. Um, and not much has really changed with the way we make cutlery. And it's partly because we don't make cutlery on a very large scale compared with some um, much, much bigger cutlery manufacturers. So um, I think actually the technology in making the cutlery, because we have to make so many ranges and make so such small volume, couldn't be changed. Um, I've always loved the idea of... Um, getting some robots in but every time we look at the robots um it it just doesn't it doesn't work um so i also um you know i have such a a a great 
small collection of, of, of cutlers. I wouldn't want to change them all for robots either. Um, I think where things have changed is where is how we design things. That has changed quite a lot. And what about materials? Is it the, is no, 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 it hasn't changed. I mean, the stainless steel is still the 18, same. 1810 stainless steel, and, and, and that's what you make cutlery from. I mean, I really would quite embrace a change, you know, if there was some new way of doing it. And I keep thinking, gosh, surely um, within my time, there must be some new way of making um, stainless steel cutlery because I'd like it, but I can't see. At the moment, um, there is a viable alternative to this very old-fashioned way of making cutlery. Mm. Yes, um, but obviously, with other things, there are um, there are things that are, are more relevant um, in in terms of making. But I do think the design has changed a bit. In what way has the design changed? Uh, well, with sort of rapid prototyping okay. and the computer and. Um, uh and and the way you can sort of realize i mean you can you know if you know what you're doing you can actually make a you can could sort of design something in in not many hours and have a sort of amazing visual of it as a sort of finished thing so you mm-hmm. can do this great trick um of of of, of making something in, in in very little time obviously it's not real yeah um, and you're using presumably computers and digital yeah design yeah. which your father didn't i guess no no however i i i i i i'm modern in one way but in the other way i'm very very old fashioned in that i i still go into the factory and file away my prototypes because um the computer can do me this amazing visual which looks like i've sort of done it but actually um it's not the same and it's not right and you, you have, have to handle to, it, don't you? You've got to handle it. And you've got to – it's those decisions that you're um, you're making as you're making a prototype and you're filing a bit off and you think, well, I might just go a bit further with that rad. Um, and it, um, it, it, The weight doesn't feel quite right, so I need to weld a little bit on. You can't do that on the computer. Yeah, yeah. So I do it the, the wrong way around. So I'll do a sketch and then I will make up my very, very crude, welded, filed metal prototype. And then once I've got that roughly right, then we'll start using the technology side to actually um, sort of rapid prototype it and define it further. That's really interesting. Which is the wrong way. It's not the way most people would do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same if I'm designing a stainless steel cafeteria or something. I start off on my workbench with some bits of tube and put them together mm-hmm. and then move on to the mm-hmm. rapid prototype mm-hmm. stage. Hello, sorry to come in and interrupt Corin and Paula's conversation. We will be returning to them in just one moment. I'd like to tell you that Designer's Voice is a self-funded project. And I'd like to thank all of the guests who have featured in the episode so far and who are part of the episodes to come. If you've enjoyed the conversation, please do share it with your colleagues and friends who are interested in design. And if you have a moment, please share it on Instagram at Designer's Voice. Paula is joined by three co-trustees for the Robin and Lucy Day Foundation, Mary Mullen, Angus England and Professor Stuart Bartholomew. She's already spoken with Corinne about the work that she's done with the foundation with Amos. And now we're going to return to their conversation where I've just asked Paula about the impact the team that she's built has had on the success of the foundation. Hugely. I mean, it's a small team and we're still a very small organisation. Um, 
Um, I'm in trustees, um, four trustees at the moment, um, two employees part-time, our business manager and our um, curator, archivist. Uh, we've only had employees since uh, 2018. It really used to be me, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and it still is a lot of the time. Um, I, uh, certainly the communication side of things, which is um, probably what I enjoy the most. Um, um, but... Yes, I mean, we very, very lucky to work with, um, you know, excellent, excellent people. Um, our, our, um, our archivist, um, Will is, you know, extremely skilled, um, wonderful new business manager, Yasmin. Um, and also, I mean, uh, excellent IP lawyers, which, uh, has, has been a very, very key part of our work. Um, and, and learning about um, uh, design intellectual property has been extraordinarily important and will continue to be really um, to protect the legacies. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, you know I'm 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 delighted to hear that doesn't seem to have been such an issue for you, and I imagine it's partly because um, it's always been evident to people that David Mellor's designs belong to and are looked after by David Mellor, whereas. You know, my parents' designs um, around the time they died, really there was nobody yeah, to um, yeah. look after or to speak for Robin and Lucien Day. You know, that's what I've stepped in to do. And is it because it was, I mean, uh, some of it was made in big volume as well, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Was what, it, you yeah. mean during their lifetimes? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Huge. <laughs> my, I mean, my father's polypropylene chair huge. is reputed well, exactly, to be exactly. the biggest selling yeah. chair of all time yeah. still. I don't yeah. know if that's true. So but. perhaps that, because our, our, obviously our cutlery is much, much smaller scale. Mm. Mm. So I wonder if that's um, that doesn't help when people are trying to do copies. I mean, I so. think, you know, Alice, you'll probably know more, but, but that actually furniture, um, you know, um, Furniture copies ha have been and continue to be a real problem. Mm. And, and I mean, what I foresee is the more successful we are in licensing, uh, particularly my father's designs, you know, for international um, production and sales, and therefore the more desirable the name Robin Day is, yes. possibly the more yeah. difficulty we'll have in yeah. that respect. But on the other hand, the more resources we'll have to combat that, which is an absolutely essential part of the work. Um I think that no one could ever have had an excuse for not knowing that um, the Provence shapes were um, designed by David Meller and that it's David Meller, you know, company that owns and looks Yeah, I wonder them. if it is that combination of name and shape mm. that perhaps protects it. Mm. Um, but it isn't something that we've had big problems mm. with um, so far. No. I mean, actually, some of my products have been um copied i think more than the cutlery yeah you know it's such an important part of our work and it seems to me that you've probably been doing it without without sort of having to employ lawyers it's mm. representing well i'm rather relieved and, because and I, i've got enough on i don't want to be employing lawyers <laughs> no <laughs> but you know design legacies are, i mean they're part as i said they're part of the nation's cultural heritage mm. You know, mm. basically. I mean, that sounds mm. very grand, but it's true. Um, and and you know, um, so I think we're both looking after, you know, on behalf of the nation, really, part of the artistic heritage of the of the twentieth century. And what I mean, have you had instances where you've seen 
um, one of your father's chairs on the market um, and thought, what on earth is that doing there? Absolutely. Gosh. Happens all the time. All the time. Well, I mean, it, it happens it happens quite often. Yeah. I mean, I am aware. I, I, I said we've now, after 10 years' work, more or less cleared um, most copies, but they pop up. Yeah, that's one, what I was thinking. You get rid of one, it's like a weed growing, and another one pops yeah. up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Gosh, what a world. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that um, that's one of the biggest challenges of looking after the legacy of your parents' work? Um. I think it is a big challenge. Um, I think um, getting the designs into excellent, authentic licensed production, you know, is equally important. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think both of those are what David Meller, uh, the com- you know, your family, your company have been doing um, effectively. Um, you know, we, we've had to kind of do those things almost from scratch. Yes. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, uh, you know, since I set up the foundation. In Which must have been a huge learning curve. Mustn't huge. It? I mean, huge. all that side of it, all the legal side of it. Huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you've had different challenges? Colin? Yeah. I mean, I think the obvious challenge I was sort of thinking of is, well, yeah, I, I've also got, um, I, I've got 50 staff and I have to, I have to make the business viable. Yes. So I've got the whole sort of money side of it to um to sort of um bear in mind that the whole place actually works because yes. if I can't make the whole place work then um all the designs are not um I'm not protecting everything am I? I mean if if we're not viable um then um it doesn't work. So I've always got that side of it which you know is is um is interesting. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I, I suppose I quite like that side of it, but I'm not a finance expert. And you um, have how many employees? Uh, we've got about 50 at the yes, moment. Yeah. Um, we have two part-time employees. I wish I had two part-time. <laughs> but um, on the other hand, as a charity, you know, we have governance of, uh, responsibilities. Yes. And of yeah. course, you know, we do other, we do lots of other work other than licensed uh, designs. I mean, we, we work with... Um, we collaborate on exhibitions, on publications. Because there's um, the education side and, of it, and isn't we have it? Yeah. we give awards. I mean, yeah. we work in design education, yeah. and we do awards. You know, and there is much, much more we'd love to be able to do mm. in that respect when our income increases. Mm. So, you know, I, I too, funnily enough, I'm running a business because most charities are businesses as well, um, um, uh, and and royalties are certainly and a very important part of the income. Yes, uh, I mean. That's another world, isn't it, which I know a little about from my mother's work because that's all sort of royalty-based. Right. Um, and um, uh, how does that work? <laughs> it, of course, it hadn't occurred to me that you don't work with royalties, but you don't because you sell no. all the designs. No. Okay. I mean, yeah. I know Royal- nothing about that world. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, how does it work? Um we and the other side of our work with lawyers is obviously we have we have um royalty contracts ip contracts and and getting really good strong ip contracts which protect the designs and ensure that we um draw an income from them yeah um and and of course i mean when choosing which companies to work with mm-hmm. there, there's a you know there's all sorts of things come into play i mean companies that have a 
um, a really principled commitment and interest in an understanding of design is obviously extremely important. But so too is, um, you know, that they're strong businesses and that Yes, um, that yeah, have because there's no point sort of investing if they're going to disappear in two That's years. That's right. Isn't it? And I mean, our yeah. aim is obviously, um, you know, uh, to take my parents' names out across the world. So international distribution is important, both in terms of royalty income, but also in terms of reputation. I mean, you know, my parents were international names in their day and their designs were, were sold across the world. Um, and do people approach you and say look we've got this love this piece of furniture we would like to um think about relaunching um or do you ever find somebody that you think might be a good custodian really of that design both. um both mm-hmm. yeah. both yeah so you 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 you've got to know the whole the whole feel quite well haven't you for that yes and we've had introductions from mm. you know really good friends and allies of of the foundation i mean we're very very lucky to have you know such good contacts and yeah. people who support us and you know who have such huge respect for my parents yeah. um uh, and i'm sure that's the same with you i mean that your whole organization will be um you know supported by huge respect for your father and then for your work I'm sure. which you know my parents between them built up absolutely uh, so I, I i you know i have them to thank for that absolutely um but you have to i suppose keep the momentum going mm. uh which is yeah which is interesting and keep the quality and keep you know, the quality which, yeah um, yeah i mean that is the hardest thing i yeah. find is keeping keeping yeah. the quality yeah and there's also the question of you know, handing it forward. I mean, I see, you know, when you set up a charity, you're you're setting it up um in perpetuity. Mm. You know, you're so I see myself um setting up an organization which I hope will be able to continue representing and looking after my parents' legacies, you know, beyond um my time. Um I don't have children to do that. Uh, do, do you think about that? Do you think about the future? Vaguely. Yeah. I mean I, I'm I, I'm not terribly good at sort of forward planning. I just tend to sort of um, do what I'm doing. So I'm doing Chelsea Flower Show this week, and then next week I'm off to you know. So, uh, <laughs> yes. but I do have two two sons who are sort of um, definitely going in that direction. Right. Um, who are interested in, in in both interested in in design. So um, I sort of hope that it will it will form its own course. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm sort of intending to carry on for a little while. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, before we finish our conversation, it would be really lovely to hear what the joys are of your roles within the foundation and the business. Yeah. I, I think I quite, quite like the variation actually. I quite like this wearing lots of different hats. Um, I, I suppose I actually get a quite a big, Buzz when I go somewhere, say I go off to California and someone says, Oh, David Meller, amazing David Meller. And you think, well, actually, yeah, perhaps, perhaps what we are doing is, is good. You know, I, lo- I love that. I love that. And, and equally, I like, I like talking to people in the shop. You know, I mean, this weekend I was talking to some architects who had come up from, um, 
from the Midlands. And, and you know, I, I, it's just nice knowing that there is a sort of a legacy there. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, it makes you feel proud of it, I think. Yeah. I think um, the joy of learning about my parents' work and appreciating it, communicating my parents' work, uh, which I find fascinating, and then bringing my parents' work back to life. Mm, mm. Because, yeah. um, you know, we've created a digital archive. We have there's this great archive resource. And then we work with companies and it actually comes back into production. It actually comes back to life. And people are uh, not just seeing it in books and exhibitions. They're using it. They're sitting in yeah. it. Yeah, no, I mean, that is um, nice, isn't it? I mean, that yeah. is exactly the same feeling I have when – um, one of my designs is is sort of actually in our shops in yes. the, in the window. You think, oh, I've achieved it. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. I think there's nothing better than that feeling. No, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, it's. I would just like to say an enormous thank you, Corinne and Paula, for being here today and for being part of this series. When Designer's Voice was first conceived, this is the conversation that I really wanted to listen to the most, and it absolutely has not disappointed so thank you so much for um being part of this series it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure. thank you yeah designer's voice has been presented and produced by me alice bryan and it has been filmed and edited by super talented daniel budder And we would like to thank all of the guests that have joined us. And they are the people that have absolutely made this series possible by so generously sharing their time and their expertise. And we would like to thank you, our listener. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing and subscribing. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye-bye.